0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 394 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, Kentucky Performance Products, Uncle Jimmy's, and Fairfield Inn of Lexington, Kentucky. Joining us today... We have legendary horsewoman, Lynn Palm. For more than 40 years, Lynn and her husband have provided training for thousands of horses and riders with their dressage-based teaching methods. We're very happy to have her joining us for our version of a fireside chat.
2: This
1: is Karen Abatista from Sarasota, Florida.
3: And Tim Christensen from Mayaka City, Florida.
1: And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. So, Tim, it's almost over, 2016. We made it.
3: It is coming on quick, isn't it? So, it is. The New Year's right around the corner.
1: Yeah. So, do you have so, any New Year's resolutions?
3: You know, I, I have got some new, well, I just prior to us doing the radio show today i spent several hours with my great bookkeeper she's a great professional bookkeeper and i'm going to write neater i can tell you that in my checking ledgers and make things much more legible because we had several laughs so she's like what is that and i'm like that's a good question so um you know so yeah some some personal things there um I have gone on and have really tried to become more of a, of a vegetarian type diet and limiting some of the the intakes um, and try to just limit it to limited amounts of fish. So obviously getting much healthier, I feel great. Um, been on it now for a couple of weeks, so looking forward to a, a, obviously a healthier year. And we had a banner year here with with the with the western dressage and the world show and you know our, our shows that we do carrying together the sunshine classic and. It's just been an incredible year meeting so many new people and my goal is just to carry that on into the new year and um, continue on to, um, to meet people and to help people in the riding and the clinics and that type of thing because it's just been a fantastic ride so far.
1: Yeah, it, it so, has been yeah. quite a journey so far, I will admit yeah. to that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And how about you?
1: Well, if anybody knows me, you'll know that 2016 was a little personally challenged, you know, um, not the happiest year for me. I lost my husband back in March. Um, but I have just been overwhelmed and continue to be overwhelmed by the outpouring of support and love and friendship from the equine community, um, we really are a big, huge family and I couldn't make it through without everyone. I mean, there's been a lot of days when just getting up in the morning's been a little tough and, you know, there's always a text on my phone or an email or a message that just kinda brightens my day right back up. And for all of those people that have helped me through it and you don't even know who you you probably don't even know you did it. Um, I really say thank you. And, you know, you don't even know the power of the kind words you've given me. Uh, So for 2016, I say farewell. 2017, I'm just looking forward to onward and upward, positive year, you know, making the best of every single moment. But speaking of resolutions and goals, I found a (laughs) list. I did. I did. I found a list online. Uh, where did it come from? Uh, eventing nation web, uh, three day eventing news. And it's an older list. It's from 2015, but I think, uh, probably still relevant and it's on new year's resolutions. So, uh, number one, I will always smile in my dressage lessons. How many times okay. have we told people that? <laughs> <laughs> the grimace, you know, that that going down oh. center line with that panic stricken look on your face. No, smile, smile, smile. Uh, number two, this is one for you, Tim. Okay. I will clean my tack daily.
3: Okay. Okay.
1: When was yeah. the last coming time? Coming from
3: the Western t- world, we we that is a good challenge for a lot of us coming from The stock horse Western world. We're not as diligent about that as the English and the dressage world.
1: Uh, Well, if I didn't show, I probably would never clean my tack. And don't even talk to me about cleaning my boots because uh, I don't think I ever have. All right. Number three. Ready? I will look at the big picture and understand that good things take time. You mean it doesn't happen overnight? Yeah, Yeah. and I like there's a a little, yeah, it says riding takes lots of time, practice, and dedication. So as riders, we must look at the big picture and not take a bad ride too personally. Mm, That's a good one. Look at overall progress that you've made. Number four, I will do daily ab workouts. Does that mean cleaning the bar? Does that count? Uh stronger core equals stronger rider. Uh, that, that is true. That is very true. Uh, number five, I will run three times a week. Does that mean running late? Because I do that about three times a day.
3: There you go. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, number, ooh, this one is, this one is mine. Number six, I will clean my trailer right after every trip.
3: Okay, sounds good.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I <laughs> haven't done that. I that, oh. mm, That's got to be on my list. Uh, s- number seven, I will always change into normal clothes after the barn before going into public. You mean I can't go to p- the grocery store in my breeches and my half chaps? Um, number eight, I will learn to understand that the smell of horse doesn't appeal to all.
3: Mm, Okay.
1: (laughs) This one is yours, number nine. I will stick to a healthier diet.
3: There we go. Yep, working on that one.
1: And finally, last but not least, number 10. I will find a healthy balance between barn time and social time. That is a good one. Yep, that is so after the break so think on that listeners and after the break we're going to come back and we're going to have our fireside chat with lynn palm
2: she swallowed hard as they walked into the start box she could feel his muscles tense under her leg five four three two one have a great ride she didn't have to ask He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. It's all natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you, matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today.
1: Joining us today, we have legendary horsewoman Lynn Palm. Lynn and her husband, Cyril, have more than 40 years' experience providing training for thousands of horses and riders with their dressage-based teaching methods. For those not familiar with Lynn, her accomplishments include 34 AQHA World and Reserve World Championships, seven Western Dressage Association of America World Championships, four super horse championships, over 50 special bridalist exhibitions with rugged lark, including the 1989 world cup and the 1996 Atlanta Olympic games. She was named 2000 AQHA female equestrian of the year by the women's sports foundation, 2003 equine affair, exceptional equestrian educator award winner. And she was the 2006 AQHA professional Horsewoman of the Year. The list could go on and on, but without wasting too much of our time, let us welcome Lynn Palm. Lynn, it's so great to have you here with us. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Tim. It's
3: my pleasure. On today's um, broadcast, um, we're going to be kind of coming into a very festive time of the year, and we kind of always relate that and think back of maybe just a little bit more of just more relaxed, more casual, and kind of like just a fireside chat. And we really, Karen and I had talked when we were going into this, that we thought that, that you, Lynn, would just be the perfect person for our first one. Um, you've been so instrumental in the entire equine industry. Um, and I just really felt that we'd really like the listeners to kind of know who Lynn Palm is, kind of how, how you started. Um, they know the accolades, they've seen all the performances, but just g- kind of give us a little bit of, um, an insight, um, how did you get started with horses when you were younger and, and what was your initial, how did it start?
4: Well, I'm sure it can relate to a lot of people. Um, one thing that is most interesting is I'm not, I'm from a non-horsey family from both my mother and father's side. And I was a little kid that absolutely must've had a born love for horses because that's all I wanted as a little kid. And uh, finally, uh, my parents, uh, when they moved to Florida, I was just going into the first grade around seven years old. They bought a property in Sarasota, Florida, that the acreage allowed horses. So they had that in mind. And then next came a pony and we knew absolutely nothing. Of course, the pony (laughs) I wanted was... Pregnant and soon had another one. Uh, And meaning no nothing, we brought the pony home and tied it out on a rope, and we didn't know it needed its feet trim, its grain, or we thought it could just survive on grass like horses do all the time. So (laughs) thank goodness for the 4 H program. I got involved with that, and uh, that was my biggest influential to uh, horse ownership. And um, I took it to heart. I loved it. I learned how to. I I found it fascinating to keep records about my horses and how to take care of them and cuz I wanted them healthy and how to ride them well and and 4H also interests me to be uh, good at what I was doing and and started in competitions in 4H so that's really my my foundation of my horse background um starting with a pony and then 4H and then a horse thereafter and so forth so
3: so many of us did start out that same way. And I think so many of of the individuals coming into horses don't realize that we all started out the same way. So you grew up in Sarasota. Um, Sarasota is kind of home to a circus world. Did you ever have any um, interaction with any of those riders, any of that, that area?
4: Yes. Um, very fortunately I did. Um, Right down the street from me was, uh, a property that was a picturesque, dream come true, beautiful property with the white board fences and the red barn with the Dutch doors with the crosses on, white crosses on the doors. And I'd always r- r- ride my bike down to this property and I'd watch this woman ride. And Sarasota is, has been um, historically known as a winter destination for the Ringling Circus. And of course, that's where it all started. And at the time that this lady that lived there, she was a part of the circus, not then, she was retired from it and also retired from doing um, exhibitions at uh, equine functions, such as the National Horse Show in Toronto, Kansas, uh, American Royal in Kansas. And so she did all the major horse shows and events and traveled on her own, so why I was so fortunate to get to meet her. One day she stopped, she was riding, and she introduced herself and welcomed me into her place, and I rode with her for at least 35 years thereafter, and mm-hmm. she was really my wow. mentor and foundation of my training and riding and teaching. Thank goodness she grew me up in the dressage saddle, and the dressage I was learning was what they call high school dressage, which is uh, she was a rider for the circus once she once she got hired, and she learned under the German horse trainers. And of course, their background is, of course, as all Europeans, is dressage. However, they also did entertainment, so they had they did a lot of different things that would be entertaining to people, which from any kinds of tricks to the uh, liberty horses to jumping high, you know, jumping fire, whatever, um, okay, firing, anything that so. would be entertainment. So she had a lot of interesting knowledge that always intrigued me as a kid, as well as riding and training with her. When she retired from the circus, she went out um, about 10 years longer doing these musical exhibitions with two horses. And something that's unique about her, and I have a picture of it, and this is how well-mannered her horses were too, but she, her horse would jump over her head, Oh. She, would, she had a thoroughbred that she would have stand still, and she would step back from this horse facing her so many feet. She'd stoop down on one knee and had a small stick. It was round, but about the length of a yardstick. She'd put it over her head, and she'd ask this horse to jump her. She, his name was Nightcall. And she'd tell me the stories, and she'd say, Call, jump. This horse would come and jump over her head, turn around, stop, turn around, and face her on the other side. <laughs> wow. So that's the kind of high school uh, tricks I was around, but I didn't realize what it was teaching me, the foundation of, of being oh. able to train horses in a unique way. Not that I ever did that, but I <laughs> never saw her do that, but I have pictures of it. Yeah. So when I met so, her, um, the horses that she did the exhibitions with, they were long gone. They had um, passed away, so I never did get to meet those exhibition horses. But So learning um, from her, the exhibition, it made me even become a better competitor because she'd always tell me stories how she had to be um, such a good rider in the warm-up rings because nobody would notice her or even watch her shows if she wasn't someone that that was attracting their eyes to watch. So along with the audience, she always had great stories of great writers that she was always around and stuff like that. So it was, she, she was quite influential to everything I've done in my career.
3: That is so cool. So yeah. when did you, uh, you, you, you had local shows. So when did you start competing? Let's just go like into the AQHA. Did you show as a youth or right. what was your interest in the AQHA? Sure. Yep. Such yep. an impact there.
4: Yep. Yep. Well, um, Uh, When I was 18, and that was, I have to date myself a little, 1970, um, (laughs) that was the only year I had the opportunity to show an AQHA. I bought a horse from a a, uh, classified ad in the journal that was in Texas, and uh, I was teaching at a wonderful lady named Andy Mormon uh, from Venice, Mm -hmm. who was a big influential person in Quarter Horse and a lot of coaching at kids, and I used to teach the dressage at her, at her stable. Anyway, she helped me go get this horse I wanted. Well, when I went to go get this horse, I didn't like it at all. And I don't <laughs> recommend to buy someone to buy a, a, a horse from a class classified dad. Well, today you have videos, but back then you didn't. So on the way back on our trip, we stopped in Mississippi, a guy that she knew that had reining horses. And we ended up trading this horse for a horse that I truly liked but um, couldn't get it ready for the first shows of the year, which, of course, was the Gold Coast in January, to okay. be able to show my one year in youth. So this mare that I got was not going to be ready for that, but could do things with her after. She was just lovely. And a wonderful lady named Eleanor Green, who is a, uh, a very sought-after wh- a horsewoman and in, in veterinarian in, in the horse industry. Actually, she's the only female president of the American uh, Veterinarian Association. And um, she's a past president and she leased me a horse or actually gave me a horse to show. And so I was able to have a horse to show at uh, the first quarter horse show because she was broke and well started. And my first quarter horse show, I won youth horsemanship at the Gold Coast and Andy Mormon was coaching me. Yeah. So that's a fun story. And then. You know, um, I, I really went with the quarter horse or the breed instead of sticking with the dressage. In fact, I showed in the very first regional championships for southeast of United States um, that USDF ever held. And it was right there in Sarasota at a place. Um, uh, gosh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Uh, it was uh, uh, Babcock was the man's name. And uh, it was um, first a cutting horse facility and then turned into dressage with his interest. And they had it there. And I loved dressage. I wish I would have stayed with it. Um, But I wanted to try everything. I was a kid that wanted to just jump. I wanted to barrel race. I wanted to drive. I wanted to, I raced, sulky race my ponies. Um, You know, so I loved all of everything that the quarter horse had to offer. And that's why I kind of excelled my career with that horse.
3: And then I think, you know, one of the legendary things as we go back, as we look at in the past is you had such an influence in the hunter under saddle horses. And I think that, you know, we just finished a, a presidential year where we heard um, the, the phrase of smashing the glass ceiling or breaking the glass ceiling. And I think a lot of people don't really realize is that you are part of an era where it was, I always from my perception, and I think it's pretty good in history, is that a pretty male-dominated profession, and you and a couple other gals really kind of broke the ranks there and paved the ways for so many other gals to come through and, and to participate and have careers. But tell us a little bit about that Huntsy era, because you really, truly were a legend. Um, well, the, that would be the so 70s many, and 80s, Yep.
4: That would be the '70s and '80s, and yes, uh, the American Quarter Horse, um, you know, is still as it still is, is more Western dominated than English. And in the late, uh, or sorry, early '70s, um, a wonderful man from the Northeast, John Riker, uh, started the uh, influencing the Quarter Horse Association to start English classes and um, recognize an English Quarter Horse. And that also at the time when they started to allow the thoroughbred, the registered thoroughbred in the breed, to breed an appendix quarter horse. Well, that horse always interests me because, again, I grew up in the English saddle, the dressage saddle. I loved the jumping. I loved the dressage. So I was really a stronger, my interests were stronger English than Western. However, I loved Western too. When the English horse started to evolve in 1976, they had the very first, which the Congress, which is the largest horse show still, I think, in, in the world. Um, it was the, the state fairs and the Congress were your stepping stones to get your horse ready for the world show that year. So um I did that with a fabulous horse that, um, actually, Andy Mormon got me a job to ride him and show him at the Gold Coast that year, and I did show him a couple times because he was so green, I didn't show him prior, but he made so much progress, uh, and he was really different, he was very thoroughbredy, very different than the more shorter, stockier type horses, and this is where the modern quarter horse also was starting to evolve with a, a taller, longer, smoother, more elegant horse with a thoroughbred in the breed and this horse was a unique individual. And he was a dropout from racing. He didn't want to race. Thank goodness he never went to the track. So it was fairly easy to to um uh move into getting good fundamentals as a hunter under saddle horse with that which then led to dressage, led to over fences and whatever. Uh, we went ahead and competed that year, and he was mine. It was my first big win, and we did win that fraternity and so I don't know I might still uh, I might still have a record of the most wins with the young horses in the hunt seat fraternity and um uh but I grew soon thereafter to kind of not like the emphasis so much because it it did put a lot of finish that needed to be on the horses that uh to get them ready for that competition and Some horses suffered from it, so meaning physically or mentally, they broke down a little bit, and there was always a little scar with that horse as they were maturing into other events and so forth, and then I started to do the numbers for the owners, and there really wasn't adding up that it was an investment for someone to really be gung-ho for a fraternity and come out with a good business endeavor. So after several years, I kind of got away from the fraternities, but then kept leading into these young horses into multi-disciplines. And that's where my dressage background came into play. You know, if I was an English-type horse, I started in with English events and then introduced trail, Western riding, and um, the English events would be driving, hunter-hack, working hunter, Then those horses also could do showmanship if they were leading into amateur horses. And then if it was a more Western-type horse, I excelled them as young horses with pleasure, horsemanship, showmanship, halter, trail, Western riding, maybe some reining. And then maybe they drove or maybe they did hunter-hack because they did have enough stride that you could meet the distance for a smaller fence. So that's where I developed more of the all-around horses from that, but again, it was all based on those good dressage principles that I learned from my
3: mentor, Bobby Steele. Cool. And I believe in, in at that point, when you really focused on the all-around, you really started um, having your schools up in Royal Palm Ranch.
4: Yes, um, uh-huh, we did. Just real briefly on
3: your schools, how they started, and they're still going down here at Fox Grove. So just give us a real brief history on that. And, sure. Um,
4: I... I can tell you from the beginning, and I'll never forget my dad uh, telling me that I always had to have, I needed to, if I wanted to do the horse business, they would support me. They couldn't financially, but they would support me in every other way. And my dad always told me that with horses, you're, you're looking at a career that has safety issues involved, and you better have something to back yourself up if you were ever injured and couldn't ride or compete or train horses. So, of course, like, the likely thing for me was teaching because my mentor was so aw- awesome as a, as a teacher and instructor for me is as, as that when we would get done with our training, we'd always go in to our house and sit down at our dining table and have a, a small Coca-Cola. Remember those little bottles, the Coca-Cola yep, bottles? Yep. The little ones. Yep. We'd have a Coca-Cola and we'd talk about the lesson. Well, then she was teaching me Why? So then I could start to articulate and, and understand why I was doing what I was doing. So she gave me the basis of teaching and I'll never forget my dad helping me with my very first brochure. And it was called by mating name is Salvatore and it was called Salvatore school of horsemanship was my first teaching <laughs> brochure I put together. So well, when to I bought the um, uh, property and was in, and I fell in love with the Northern Midwest from a previous job and a first husband, about about 100 acres in the UP of Michigan, an absolutely beautiful piece of property, and, um, and yes, put together is. more um, exclusive, all-packaged or all-inclusive uh, programs for keep people to come ride with us. So it was putting together instructional programs, lodging, meals, entertainment, showing the people that beautiful Upper Peninsula of Michigan area. And uh, well, you know, well, no, Tim, you, you attended one or oh, yeah. you it's were,
3: stunning. you helped
4: with some or something.
3: Yep. yep. So
4: then that was a great evolution. And that was really before clinics were really clinics. And then we brought that down to Florida and uh, in 1996, when we bought the property here in Ocala, Florida. So I've always kind of held on to a secondary of of instruction in my career but since 97 we've really turned it around and it's primary now where training horses and, and competing is secondary.
3: Yep. Yeah. Um and so let's come go bent into the I believe that was like you said I think I was with you in 85 and that was a year that you had a phenomenal horse come in Rugged Lark. Um talk a little bit to us about Rugged Lark. Um, he was a phenomenal individual. But he also did so much that he was even called what an ambassador for AQHA. Yep. And you had such exposure with you and him to such way outside the show realm. So tell us a little bit about yep. Rugged Lark and your relationship with him.
4: Sure. Well, um, it started before 85. I got him as a two-year-old. and 85, he must have been a five-year-old. Let's see, because he won this. Uh, the super horse, AQHA super horse at the world show, which is like yep, the highest trophy yep. winner, a uh, horse of the year, yep. the top horse of the uh, world show in the year. And he did that in, um, 85?
3: 85, yep, 85, 85.
4: Okay. Was that the first time?
3: That's the or first time there? I yeah. believe you won the super horse with him. It
4: was 85. Okay, then it had to be eighty-seven thereafter. So he was just a four-year-old. Uh, I I got him in training as a two-year-old from um, Carol Harris, who's the, oh, well, she wasn't the breeder, but she bought him from the breeder, and um um and he was he was unusual then because I can remember many times in schooling with him in Michigan that I just have to stop and shake my head with him in a in the middle of of a schooling session with him and um, have to say, gosh, Lark, you're doing this too well. You shouldn't be doing this this good and just go put him up or take him on a trail ride. And he was really unusual in retaining his lessons. So that was unique about him. And we did show him in some pleasure, Western pleasure fraternities. And we set out a goal for a couple and um, the resident reigning trainer at the time at Carol Harris is Mike Corrington, uh, finished his superior as a two-year-old, and then went on with the reigning. And of course, I had the fundamentals for Hunter Under Saddle with him as well. He he was just a fun horse. I mean, I just treated him like any other horse, but he was unusually smart and retained his lessons. And I broke him to drive. And I even put, have had many sessions of pulling a sleigh in the wintertime in Michigan. And and I come down and compete with him in wintertime, which the 10 years I did live in Michigan, every year I came down to Florida and still did the winter shows, like there's so many of them today in, in Florida and all breeds and disciplines. Just uh, began his career, his short career, which is was as a, a two-, three-, four-year-old and five- and six-year-old. And then they retired him because he was the first horse to win this Super Horse Award twice. And at the time, um, for the second introduction of the Super Horse, Miss Harris asked me if I could do something unusual when I wanted for the award because he was the first one. And I said, well, geez, how about I go in and ride in bridalists? And she goes, you would do that? And I said, sure. I said, I have played around a couple times at home with him, but I mean, he's out, I trust him and I can get around the ring and do something. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll do something. So we took the um, garland of flowers that he had won with the world championship, and we put some um, alfalfa baling wire around it because it was just um, ribbon. So I needed something to guide him to help turn, stop, and back, because that's how I learned bridalist when I was a kid. And so we got it where it wouldn't break, and but nothing sharp, of course. And I went into the arena and went around and – did some trotting and cantering and change leads and did some raining spins. Well, the people went crazy for this presentation that was non-rehearsed. Well, then, then ten years later, we started doing musical freestyle exhibitions with him, and we did two songs. One was it was in the English tack. One was to with uh, the bridle, and one was without the bridle. And we went to. Some fabulous places. Uh, never overseas. Was asked to go overseas, but did everywhere. All the major shows here in the United States. And, a, and a, the highlight, of course, was the '96 Olympics in Atlanta. Just, just had a just a fabulous time. Reminded me a little bit of Miss Steele telling me of her times doing showing exhibition. Um, got to meet fantastic and ride around. Some of the top horses and riders uh, of the, of the year. And And over those, that decade, it was, it was, um, very honorable to say the least. And the best thing for me was one, we, he became an ambassador of AQHA because he had that dressage, dressage foundation. He was happy in his work. It was great to show the versatility and the things that he could do in the exhibition as a quarter horse. And then, for me, as a trainer, it was great to show the longevity of a train of a horse and to be able to show what I was showing with him hundred percent happy in what he was doing so that part was yeah. really um mm-hmm. fulfilling in every way uh and and as they say, yes, he has to be the horse of my lifetime and it reminds me I just watched a video, and Karen, you'll relate to me here but charlotte D- du Jardin there mm-hmm. to uh tomorrow Wednesday. They're totally retiring, um, Blueberry, Velagro mm-hmm. at the, uh, championships in London that, um, where they'll all be, and the royalty and the queen will be there and everything. And they're doing their final retirement ride um, at that venue tomorrow night. Oh, and I was watching a, horse inter- of a
1: lifetime.
4: I know. And I was watching an interview with her and she said, I know this horse is already a horse of a lifetime. He says, there'll never be another one. And yeah. I heard Charlotte saying this in an awesome video. I found, um, uh, that I got through Facebook and so forth. Cause I do keep in touch with her.
1: Oh, that's
4: so awesome. that cool. he was that kind of horse, you know, yeah. you just can't duplicate oh. him. you know, yeah. he's just that kind oh. of horse.
1: Uh, We should probably take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, uh, we can talk a little bit about what you're doing now and uh, the Western Dressage.
0: The Horse Radio Network is excited to announce a new partnership with the Fairfield Inn North by Marriott in Lexington, Kentucky for Road to the Horse and Rolex. The Fairfield Inn North is right off Newtown Pike and Route 64 near the Cracker Barrel and only 10 minutes from the horse park the back way, you know, the low traffic way. The Fairfield Inn North has spacious rooms that are being completely renovated now and will be ready in time for Road to the Horse. Plus, the Fairfield Inn North offers complimentary breakfast, a free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, a huge free parking lot, a business center, indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, outdoor patio with grill, a laundry facility, and much more. The Cracker Barrel is located right next door and there are four other dining options available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner right around the corner. Just for listeners of Horse Radio Network, we have negotiated some great rates for you for Road to the Horse and Rolex. For Road to the Horse, we have the rate down from $160 to $120. If you're going to Rolex, we have the rate down to $199 from $260. There's a very limited number of rooms available at these rates, so call in your reservations as soon as possible. Search for Fairfield Inn North in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the one on Hackney Place. You must call at your reservation and ask for the Road to the Horse or the Rolex Early Bird Special. So that's the Road to the Horse or Rolex Early Bird Special. Search for Fairfield Inn North by Marriott.
3: So tell us a little bit now about Fox Girls Farm. Um, It's an absolutely fabulous facility. You do a lot of the, the schools and clinics there. Um, so, just kind of give us a little overview of a Grove Farm, um, what you offer now, and and tell us a little bit about Western Dressage, how you're incorporating that, and really kind of where you see Western Dressage um, going for the listeners.
4: Okay, well, I'll talk, talk first about uh, Western Dressage, and then come to the farm here. Um, yeah. I think the what I I guess most proud of with this new discipline, Western Dressage, which is just uh, an, uh, simple. Is it three or four years old now? Uh, uh, two, I want to say four. Three.
3: I, four years old? Okay. I think we just have the fourth world show.
4: Okay. So well, I the think the next one. one be
3: the fifth one. Yeah.
4: Okay. Well, regardless, it's still very young and very new. I'm, I'm all about it is because, first of all, I ride absolutely no different today or teach differently today in a Western saddle than I've done 40 years ago. And to use the principles of dressage um, on a Western horse is very familiar to me because I do the same thing if it's an English horse. There may be differences of what you're going to do with that horse to do more advanced things, meaning in their development and their breed um, confirmation and what they can or capable of doing. but. The good principles of it is is wonderful, and I truly feel that there's a real um, it's a need and a real missing link where Western dressage can be extremely helpful for any horse enthusiast in the Western riding world. And first, why is because there now there's something tangible people can follow of good training techniques to train and develop a horse and good riding skill techniques on how to learn to ride well. Mm-hmm. And the Western Dressage has it in print now by levels and, um, and tests within those levels. And the requirements that they show within the tests and the levels are the progression that you would find just similar in classical dressage. And it works. And in the Western world, there's too many ten, many methods out there. There's 10,000 ways to train a horse, so to speak. Not really,
3: but yeah. there is.
4: And, and a horse one. is it a seems horse.
3: Like it. Yeah,
4: a horse is a horse. Yep. You know, I don't care yep. what breed, they're still the same creature. And their anatomy all works in the same, similar way. And um, how we communicate and develop the horse it's all similar, so it's all all a um, thing that I'm real familiar with and very confident with. What I'm finding also, is, which I truly love, it's it is grasping a wonderful community of people who love their horses and want to ride well, and that's exactly what my model has always been in my career, and where I get the most enjoyment and work with the the longest with my clientele. Are uh, those type of people. So it goes hand in hand. I, I, I guess right now where I'm at with the discipline is I'm just trying to think of, be creative and look at the overall industry and try to help come up with ways to develop growth, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I've, I've got a lot of, of uh, irons in the fire right now to come up with the next few years. Uh, but that's really where my motive is, is is not only developing people and horses for the discipline but you know what what's best to to grow the discipline countrywide United States Canada and uh throughout the world so um that's that's where I'm trying to come up with some great things and I do have one really exciting news I can share with you guys is it's probably within a week away from a signed contract, but I, I can at least—it's far enough along I can at least share this with you and your viewership. But um, are you familiar with the World Cup competition that will be again this year in United States in mm-hmm. Omaha, Nebraska? Yeah. Okay, well, we've had several now in the United States, mostly Vegas. And I did one back in the 80s. And T- the first one in the United States was in Tampa, Florida. And I did it with, um, I was there with Rugged Lark. And I've been asked to do a Western dressage freestyle exhibition. Or I shouldn't say asked, contracted to do a Western dressage freestyle exhibition at the World Cup in Omaha, Nebraska, coming up in uh uh, March. will be the thirty-first. Isn't that exciting? That awesome. is really exciting. Awesome. So congratulations.
3: congratulations.
4: Yeah, for the first time, be able to get that discipline in front of a very sophisticated crowd, an international yeah. crowd, and um, I. All I got, all I saying is, my goal when I walk out of the ring is that they walk away and go, okay. That was pretty cool. Wow.
1: (laughs) That was all right. Those are the only comments I want. Oh, so good for you. And I think that's really you know, one of the things that you have done is really been a forerunner of the discipline.
5: Well, that's out there promoting
1: and endorsing and You know, one of the things because you and I have worked together a little bit, and you're constantly reinventing yourself, and you're never resting on your laurels, and you're never resting on your accomplishments. It's yeah, yeah. You know, you're still driving forward, constantly improving, constantly learning. You know, absolutely. That's. That's phenomenal, and yep. that's part of why you have been so successful. In and your- you know what I'm looking forward to the
4: most: riding in the warm-up rings with the rest of the riders <laughs> that's competing there. <laughs> no, and, and I'm also going to do two clinics there, and it's, it's being. Um, uh, and that's another mission is to really get involved with the 4H and the Pony Club, and the uh, the Pony Club is um, um, actually. I don't know if they're developing it or sponsoring it or a big part of it, but they're coordinating some educational things also at the venue. So it's March 30th, 31st, April 1st, and 2nd. And on Friday, they're having a separate ticketed afternoon, and it's called the afternoon is going to be called Dressage Showcase. And I think there's five other subjects. One, they're bringing somebody from the Netherlands who is a comedian with dressage. And I've seen <laughs> his well. video on YouTube, and he is absolutely hilarious. And then they've got uh, Debbie McDonald is coming uh-huh. and going to show development of horses from training level to Grand Prix. Oh, how and uh, I don't know, there's well. a couple other uh, entertainment that they're they're going to have a little bit more Western flair also. But a tagline of my Western Dressage Freestyle is going to be called Western Dressage at Art. So, I have a really neat gal in uh, St. Augustine that's helping me with music. She won at the Nationals the amateur Grand Prix freestyle. Cool. So, she's helped me put the music together, and I'm hoping to come across with a top notch professional job done.
1: That is great. Yeah. Yeah. We want to see video. I know it. Well, I know. And
4: AQHA, and and I'm going to use Lark's Home Run and wdaa and we're going to really try to uh, do a lot of promoting there in a a crowd that that hasn't maybe may necessarily haven't seen the western dressage so that's going to be really fun
1: that's great that awesome. yeah we're yeah. looking forward to talking to you again after that cuz you'll have okay. some good stories okay we can do that it'll be a good story and, i know that
3: and how can people reach you at foxtrot farm you have a variety of videos uh, publications that they can reach to your website. Am I correct there?
4: Yeah, you bet. Um, Lynn Palm,
3: and, yep. Yep.
4: yep. Linpalm.com will show you a little bit of everything we do here. And again, Fox Crow Farm, we just brought down from Michigan. What we did there, we try to have all exclusive uh, equ- uh, educational. Uh, programs for equestrians western dressage is a part of it we got a great community of people who love to do obstacles we got a three acre national natural obstacle arena that people love to train and um uh show in and um yeah we've we've got lots going on here without a doubt we've got wonderful lodging and we get a lot of people here in the winter time so we we have as much fun with the people that come here as, as they do. So we got a pub here in our house. So we have a way to entertain and have good, a good time and, and make friends forever.
1: And we probably should mention your holiday special you're running.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You guys um, um, share it with your readership and viewership. Uh, it I chose the most popular one again. It's the Western dressage, which is uh, thrills me to no end because that tells me a growth again uh, people are interested in it. They want to learn about it. So um, we've got a really good special with uh, a, a lot of um, educational things. That if someone doesn't have an opportunity to get instruction close by, um, they can they can train right at home with the with the materials that I'm I'm sharing with you
1: guys. If anybody so. is listening and they want to know more about that, just go to the Horse Radio Network website and you'll see a link to Lynn's holiday specials in the show notes.
3: Well, Lynn, well, thank you so much for joining with us today. Boy, that it hour was, went
1: it, fast. What an I awesome hope I wasn't trip. too windy. <laughs> no, that was no, awesome. No, you weren't. Okay.
3: Yeah, well, that was a, a wonderful journey. Okay, journey well, I got through, lots more stories if you want to do are it in Okay. So, Well, thank you so much.
4: You're very yeah. welcome, and yeah. happy holidays to you and to everybody, and enjoy your family and your horses and Make sure you give your horses a treat for Christmas.
5: Hello folks, Uncle Jimmy here and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products where funny names mean serious products. Featuring Uncle Jimmy's Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love, the award-winning Uncle Jimmy's Hangin' Balls, Uncle Jimmy's Sugar-Free Ball, the incredible Licky Thing, also in Sugar-Free, the amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker wrecker and the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hanging Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious, flavored, filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, it will last for weeks, provided you don't let your horse pin it, and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors. Apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar-free. Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products, where funny names mean serious products, and satisfaction is 100% guaranteed.
0: This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief Girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Our Total
1: Saddle Fit tip of the week is on goal setting. Where do you want to go in 2017? What do you want to achieve? What's important to you? In order to set attainable, realistic goals, you have to think smart. Think specific, think measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Make sure the goals are yours, not the ones that your friends or your trainer think are important for you. You need to be personally invested in them. Write them down. Break them up into smaller action steps. Set a plan for the year. Break it down into smaller and smaller pieces until you have a daily checklist, a to-do list that you can take out to the barn with you and periodically review. Make sure that your goals stay relevant based on your current priorities and experience. A few other tips. State each goal as a positive statement. For example, I will keep my connection soft and light, not I will stop pulling on the reins. Be precise Look at the calendar. Set specific dates for clinics and shows you want to attend. Set priorities. Again, write them down. Write your goals down and keep them manageable. Be realistic about your goals. And last but not least, reward yourself. Set goals that motivate you and give yourself a reward for reaching them. (laughs)
0: To this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com.
1: joining us you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website at dressageradio.com like us on facebook just search for dressage radio show follow us on twitter at horse radio my website is karenabatista dressage.com tim's website is training for f-o-u-r life.com and you can email us with questions and feedback at KarenAbatista@gmail.com. We want to thank today's sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, Uncle Jimmy's, and Fairfield Inn of Lexington, Kentucky. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year.